Let's get ready to rumble! Anyway, it's hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, which is being recorded on the day that one of the most hyped films in ever is being released. And we... <laughs> and we collectively cannot be bothered. <laughs> but we collectively just cannot be bothered. Anyway, my name is Tosin. I am the host. And joining me, as always, on the Isle of Wight is Sharon Bolan. Hello. And joining me all the way from London, getting us that PWC bump, is Holly Nestling. Hi. <laughs> right, so... um. We are talking... Oh, okay, the film I was talking about there was Avatar. That's what I was talking about was Avatar. And we were having a chat about that earlier this week and talking about how... Well, okay, it's it's the big elephant in the room and also the fact that we don't have anything else that we spoke... We haven't actually been to the cinema this week. None of us are going to the cinema to no. see anything. Because I actually think... That, I don't think that there's that much, to be honest with you, a week to Christmas out there. There might be st storing a whole bunch of stuff up for... Um, in the, for Boxing Day, the only film that I was possibly going to see was Matilda the Musical. I'm not sure if it's similar for you guys in your cinemas, whether there's anything being in there or anything that you could have watched but didn't, is there? I still have not seen Wakanda Forever, so that is firmly on my list and is still available. And um, She Said, which okay. I want to see and is on and might see at the weekend. Slash yeah. All right. All right, cool. Well, Good stuff. So there was one film that sort of came and went. It was on only for one week. It was called, I think it's called Love Song. Um, it's with Wes Studi. It looks like a really interesting little film, but it was only on one week, and, and it happened to be the week when I had all of my Christmas dues. <laughs> so all the Christmas events that I was going to happened when this was on, so I, I didn't get to see it. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the podcast where we give you all the reasons why we couldn't see films. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my reasons for not seeing films was that my wife was on nights and so I couldn't go on in the evenings and I missed my window of the weekend. So, um, yeah, because I was looking after the child, uh, baby, just in case anybody doesn't actually realize that. But in case you're wondering what on earth we do on this show, we are called Netflix Cinema. And what we do is that we usually go to the cinema, see a couple of films, stay at home, watch a couple of things. We rate everything out of five and then we see where her money has been better spent this week. This week, we can tell you that we couldn't tell you anything about cinema. But <laughs> I think that I actually want to talk about Avatar. I want to talk about Avatar. What... Uh, because this is being released, and I've been, I, and I've been really conflicted, and I've been trying to figure out exactly what it is that is worrying me about this film, or what is it that I have this sort of just irrational. Like we have a fourth member of our team, Sean, and whenever Sean is on, Sean has these actors that he just irrationally does not like. Like for some reason, he does not like Stanley Tucci. He thinks That's Stanley Tucci. <laughs> He, he he thinks that he's he does he gets on the screen and he does he does not like Woody Harrelson. He shows up and shows just like ah wants to throw stuff at the screen. And I'm having this sort of like irrational feeling towards Avatar where I'm just kind of like no. But but before I try and delve into my this is like my own personal therapy session as to why I feel that way. What is your relationship with the first Avatar film? I've never seen it. Okay. That, is, there, is there any particular reason why you've never seen it? I just couldn't be bothered. I was never particularly interested in it. And I, I like sci-fi. I like fantasy. I CGI, great. Just looked and went, nah. Okay, all right. How about you? How about you, um, Sharon? I have seen it. I saw it because it was supposed to be the film that saved cinema, wasn't it, at one time? 
and mm. it was the thing that heralded you know the revolution that was going to be 3d and every oh. film from henceforth was going to be in 3d and so i did suffer through the film with a pair of glasses perched on in front of my glasses um squinting at the screen um and then i actually watched it without the 3d and i probably enjoyed it more without it because mm -hmm. it was one of those whole things of it was just so i was physically uncomfortable wearing two pairs of glasses yeah so to mm. get there and there's nothing else they can devise that is not anything other than deeply uncomfortable when you wear glasses to watch a 3d film i, I agree um, with you that i'm not a fan of 3d yeah and I, so i wasn't thrilled with it but i watched it i enjoyed it for it was but to be honest with you i can't see why they had why it took so long for the next one to come out for me that ship has sailed i mean whatever buzz there was around about the first avatar I mean, that's gone. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just not interested enough to want to go and see it, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, okay, Holly, you were going to say something. Um, yeah, I was saying that some films, I'm trying to remember which ones where I've genuinely liked the 3D, but they are a small number where I think it's been worth it. And now I can't think of a single one. But there have been some things where I've thought, oh, yeah, that was... That was genuinely impressive, but yeah. was Gravity in 3D? I think there was a 3D version of Gravity, and I thought Gravity was immersive enough as it was, so I <laughs> I never bothered trying to watch it in 3D. I just yeah, I just I, I watched I judged Gravity as it was. I was like, okay, yeah, well, good enough. I watched. I have seen two or three, but again, it's so uncomfortable that one. You know, my my rule is I only will watch one animated film a year. Yes. And it got to be that every year the, the one animated film I saw was in 3D. So I think I saw A Christmas Carol, the 3D one with voice by oh, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey, yeah. The Jim Carrey and I watched one. one of the Toy Stories, I think, with in 3D. But to be honest with you, I got so uncomfortable that I ended up taking the 3D glasses off. And so I ended up watching animated films. Um, oh. All fuzzy. <laughs> oh, fuzzy animated. Oh, good. Well, that's... Oh. Because so, oh, I was just... I was, I did also see the Glee movie in 3D. <laughs> there was a Glee movie? There was a Glee movie, yeah. Oh, oh good lord. And there was a 3D one. So again, I, everyone would, if, whenever I'd see any reactions, it'd be like, they'd be like, going, oh, or any of the 3D films I've seen, where everyone was going, oh, and all and sort of doing stuff, I'd like put my glasses back on and think, oh, what are they looking at? What are they seeing? <laughs> oh, that's it. And then I'd take them off again. Because I just got to the point where I thought, I don't want to sit for two hours with this weight on my face yeah uh, i'm just uh, watching the 3d films and i think the best 3d films and i think i it was ready player one i think i saw in 3d yeah okay all right oh, oh we're gonna we're gonna stop we're gonna move off something yeah. that we haven't watched and we're gonna <laughs> but, uh, to sort of uh, go into things that we actually have watched well you but haven't I, said why you don't want to watch it yeah i haven't said okay so this has made me the what I'm persisting at the moment is that I really do not like hype, and sure enough, some of the things I loved were, were have been really really hyped, like Avengers Endgame. But I feel like that was well that was well deserved hype. But Avatar, Avatar first first of all, I did not like the first one. I mean, I was I have been the, there is this growing thing online where people just bash Avatar. And it's become like that kind of thing where like, you know, people just go, oh, yeah, my favorite Christmas movie is Die Hard. And it just becomes that thing where people just decide yeah. that this is the, this is the position they're going to take. And they just bash Avatar. And 
I like to say I was one of the original bashers. I walked out of the cinema bashing that film. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and I remember thinking, okay, yeah, fine, yeah, okay, cool, technological advancements and all that. But a lot of the hype about Avatar, I never agreed with. The, when people said about the fact that, okay, it might technically have been a cutting-edge thing, but they refer to the Navi as photorealistic. I didn't think they were photorealistic. There's scenes where you have the Navi beside the humans, and I never felt like I never felt watching them that they felt that they were in the same world. It looked like you know you could it was obviously composited, so you had they didn't look like creatures that were in the real space as the humans. As far as I was concerned, there's especially one scene when Natiri at the end carries Jake when she thinks Jake is dead, and that scene doesn't it doesn't look right to me. It just it just doesn't. So a lot of the hype about Avatar and the people talking about oh my the 3D it takes you to a different world. I felt like it was in a different alien planet, and there's one scene one scene where when he first gets into the avatar body and his feet go into the sand. And that I think, okay, cool, that was kind of cool. But apart from that, my my nose just hurts. My, my nose just hurts <laughs> and my eyes hurt throughout the whole film. And so you have all these things. And when I say I don't like hype, James Cameron is a particular, he is his own hype man. And he will walk around and he will hype these avatar movies because of which of which he has planned four sequels, by the way. So this is Avatar 2, and we're planning to have all the way up to Avatar 5. So he has planned this long-ass mythology, which he, I think in his head he wanted to arrival things like Lord of the Rings and all that kind of stuff. That He's planned this long-ass mythology. Number one, I think that is excessive, the same way I thought like the, the first Hobbit being turned into three films was excessive. I think that's excessive. And then, oh, and he, but he's going, this is going to be the best amazing thing, blah, blah, blah. And I just don't like his push to tell you what it is that you are going to like and which mm-hmm. which he does a lot he tells you what you're going to like and he has this self which has made him a good filmmaker i'm guessing that he if he has a single-mindedness it makes him a good filmmaker and all that but i don't like it i, I don't like it and i don't like the fact that when avengers endgame overtook avatar as the highest grossing movie of all time he went and released a new version of Avatar in cinemas to refresh people's memory before the second one came out so that Avatar went back and became the highest grossest movie of all time. <laughs> it just seems extremely petty to me. So my relationship with James Cameron at the moment is not great. And then, and then, I find that the first Avatar, I think the, and the, the first Avatar was a film that really, really showed me that my movie-going taste had changed a bit to... I don't care how good it looks. I don't care how many things blow up. I don't care how advanced g- graphics you use. If the story is not there, I'm not interested. <laughs> and the first Avatar does not have a story to uphold its runtime and all everything it does. I remember that year because it was up for all the Oscars and everybody was hoping that it was going to win Best Picture. And I was rooting like anything for the Hurt Locker. I was rooting for the Hurt Locker to beat Avatar and just please do not let this fall because if this film wins Best Picture, he is going to get um he's going to get enabled. He's going to think that he can do whatever he wants and he's going to give us more of this nonsense. And and then this uh, this Avatar movie has come out. It's over three hours long. The film is <laughs> yes, I know it is over three hours long. And in today's like, when I think sit down and I think. What could I be doing with three hours? <laughs> and I'm, and I'm just kind of like, I'll watch that on TV when I can pause it because I feel, the I feel that it is, it it is self indulgent. 
I think James Cameron in this Avatar series is self-indulgent. And I don't personally think that it has much respect for the people who are watching it. I've read interviews with him where he said things along the lines of, oh, well, people watch like, you know, the, the people will sit down at home and they'll binge watch a TV series. So they'll watch eight hours of something. So don't talk to me about watching three and a half hours. Don't try and tell me that that's too long. I'm like, yeah, but there you have a pause button. You can go to the loo <laughs> and not miss anything. Yeah. They have the they have the decency to give you a cliffhanger and a break where you can go away and then come back. Yeah. You haven't given us a pause button. You just want us to sit down there and you think that this stuff that you are so indulged in is great enough and you are big-headed enough to think that we don't have anything else to do with our lives that we're going to sit down for a four-hour stretch watching your nonsense which apparently has a very thin story that doesn't actually so so essentially all these things of course to make to make me sit down and i actually thought on and i feel like the what i i think that i feel like what I would have thought would have been the unthinkable is going to happen. And I don't think I'm going to watch Avatar The Way of Water in a cinema. <laughs> I think I'm going to wait until the shows up on Disney Plus and I'm going to watch it with a pause button because I've got better things to do with three and a bit hours of my time. But I also think that's unfair because there's a film called Babylon starring Brad Pitt and Mar Margot Robbie, which is apparently about three hour, three plus hours, which I'm a lot more happy about going to watch it in the cinema because so I think that's a bit hypocritical I said this is like therapy for me but I feel like this is a film that it will in James Cameron's mind anyway is going to be the biggest film of the year and I am just not bothered <laughs> anyway that's me done thank you for listening to me thank you so much I will send the bill in the post Holly and Sharon and anyone else who's listening to, to listen to this yes but yeah why I don't think I shall be watching why I do not think I shall be watching Avatar The Way of Water. And let's move on to things we've actually watched. <laughs> so with that, um, I was actually looking at what's in the cinemas as well. And yeah, it, it seems to be the only things that we haven't spoken about are Avatar Way of Water and Matilda the Musical. That's the, that was the only good show in town, which I really do want to see, but didn't get a chance to. But let us go on to the things we've actually seen. So this is just going to be a Netflix and Friends episode, which happens every now and then when cinema doesn't give us anything to watch or cinema gives us something, but we are too lazy to go and watch it. And the first thing that we are going to bring up today is we are going to talk Disney Plus and Disenchanted. Now, I, th I believe, yeah, Disenchanted, Holly and I have both watched this. Holly and I have both watched this. So... Uh, even though I've just done a bit of talking, Holly, it's okay. I'll, I will take the lead on this one, and then I'll let you take the lead on Wednesday because I know that you were you were the first one to bring Wednesday up. So, fifteen years ago, there was a film called Enchanted, starring Amy Adams, Patrick Dempsey, James Marsden, um, Idina Menzel, and this film was Disney in extremely self-referential and self-aware mode. I think probably the most self-aware thing Disney had done probably since The Emperor's New Groove. And the whole idea of Enchanted was that you, it starts off as an animated film in like typical Disney princess animated fashion. And there's, you meet this princess called Giselle. She meets a prince. He goes, oh, we'll get married in the morning after meeting her the night before. And then she gets transported by the by the evil sort of so like the evil queen who's always in these stories the evil queen she gets to this terrible terrible place which happens to be live action modern day new york city <laughs> and that finishes with a happily ever after and then this film disenchanted it's kind of like disney going okay cool but what happens after the happily ever after 
and they very much talk about this. They talk about it starts off with the animated form as well. You have a chipmunk reading the story of Enchanted to his two kids, and then they go, "Let's read it again. Let's read it again." No, let me tell you about what happens after the happily ever after. And he brings out a new book from the shelf called Disenchanted, and. <laughs> And they tell the story of Disenchanted in which Giselle has been living in New York for all this time. She is the stepmother to Patrick's, uh, well, no, no his, his name is Robert, um, Robert's daughter, Morgan, and they have a daughter of their own. But with everything that's been going on, they go through this whole, <laughs> there's a bit where they talk about the modern problem of having to leave a city and go to suburbia but they do it in a very disney way in a very disney story way which is actually quite cute they have to move to this place called monroeville which is a little bit outside new york robert has to be a comedian to go in and they talk to her about all those different things that go through with life and giselle is finding it difficult because she's thinking things were so much better when i was back in andalasia which is a fairy tale world and she understood how everything works and here in this world she doesn't understand sarcasm and she doesn't know how she fits in and when she tries to when she tries to sing a song to get all the animals in the in the neighborhood to come together and work together people tell her to stop singing and all that sort of stuff but so but uh through story machinations she ends up with a fairy wand and she wishes that her life was like a fairy tale he wishes her life was like a fairy tale and as as the story goes on it, it gets a bit wonder vision in that the entire town of monroeville gets transformed and everybody in that town takes up different positions that you would usually find in a fairy tale so the queen bee woman who like runs the neighborhood watch and all that kind of stuff you know there's always that one woman who just sort of like says this is my town and i should she becomes the queen and then she has minions and all these different people come in and the twist that happens is that Giselle made this wish, forgetting that she is now a stepmother. And stepmothers, what are they always like in Disney tales? People. No. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So Giselle, which is so Amy Adams, who plays this sort of like, you know, ever optimistic, lovely, like sun, sun shining out of every orifice character of Giselle, now has now becomes, starts finding herself being being pushed into the mold of the evil, wicked stepmother. And stuff happens. Stuff happens. So the whole thing is like, okay, what are we going to do about this? So I'm just going to put that out there. Holly, what did you think of this? I really enjoyed it. Far more than I thought I was going to. I put it on in the background because I felt bored. Um, and, I, <laughs> and I was planning on, and I still did do, you know, play solitaire whilst watching it because, you know, my attention span is very small. You're going to um, love Avatar. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I will be doing something else throughout the entirety of it. Now, I thought I thought it was very sweet, um, quite funny, um, and very watchable. It wasn't profound. <laughs> it has not changed my life, um, for better or worse. Um, but I am very pleased I watched it and I would could very easily and you know I can compulsively rewatch anything. Yeah. But I could happily put that on in the background again and still, you know, smile gently throughout and have the odd giggle. Um, and I have a sneaking suspicion I probably got damp eyed at some point or something, because I'll cry <laughs> anything. Statistic <laughs> speaking, I probably cried at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Anything, anything at all, I'll cry at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this is the thing with uh, because and Disenchanted pulls off a similar trick with Enchanted in in that because Enchanted was quite frankly it was Disney ripping the absolute 
fill in the blank out of themselves. So it was Disney understanding that, look, okay, we have done stuff in the past with unrealistic beauty standards, with, with like, you know, there's sets of conventions that we have put in, in, put in place, and they acknowledge all of those. And I didn't think that there was anything else left to acknowledge. <laughs> but Disenchanted finds more things to, to go into it. They bring James Marsden back, who for me was the was the, the MVP of the first film, because he plays this, oh, he's, he's not quite dunderheaded, but he's quite full of himself prince. And he's the one who's all like, you know, he's he comes into modern day New York and he's trying to attack a bus with a sword because he thinks it's a beast and all that kind of stuff. And he has and he has for me the line of the film where there's a bit where he goes, Don't worry, we'll come up with a very brilliant plan at the very last minute which will solve all of our problems. <laughs> and both Enchanted and Disenchanted have this whole thing where they manage to rip it out of Disney. They know what it is. They know what Disney happens. They know what kind of stuff that happens. They know what happens in these sort of stories. They happen to. They happen to. They manage to acknowledge it while at the same time still being that type of story. <laughs> so this whilst at the same time still being that type of story. So I think it's quite cool. There's a song that they do in this film called Badder that is a two-hander between Amy Adams and Maya Rudolph, who plays the sort of queen bee of the town, which had us humming it afterwards because we just think it's it's. It, I think the lyrics are funny. I think it's good. It, I really enjoy this. I really enjoyed this Enchanted. I and for a belated sequel, it is way better than I think it has any right to be. Because you could think this would just be like a cash grab, or this is just for them to come up with more content to convince people to get Disney Plus subscriptions. And I'm sure that that is in there. I'm sure that that's part of the the reasoning. But at the same time, they actually made a good film. <laughs> they actually made a good film. I think Amy Adams is brilliant in it. I think James Marsden's back great and um I'd, i i really really enjoyed it and even the, and the message that it gives the message it gives is not as twee i don't think as you would expect it's not as twee as you would expect but it's it, it's it's still good i think i love this sort of disney mode of letting real life interfere with the fairy tale every now and then i actually actually really really like it so i would give i would give this enchanted i would give it a four i would give it a four out of five you know, I'm going to join you there, and I have just remembered where I cried as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you encouraged me because I wasn't. I was hesitating about watching it because I thought I don't want to be disenchanted because I quite like the first one. Um, so, um, <laughs> so um, you encouraged me, so I probably will go and see that yeah. Um, yeah. when I have a book. Yes, I will go and see that. I think well, it's, it's on Disney Plus. Huh? I think it's actually more enchanting than the first one. Oh. Ooh. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Because I, I think that it's... it's uh, And I think it's, it, it, run, it depends on... It becomes, it becomes a thing of personal personal preference as to how much you... How, how well you think this, this works. So I don't think it's maybe as magical as the first one, but I think the first one had that sort of surprise element in it hmm. where... Where you weren't you were, you weren't expecting it and everything like that. I love the fact that it's not just a retread. And for me, whenever you have a sequel, I always think that the best thing I can say about a sequel is that it feels like it's in the same world and it's a continuation of the story, and it is a continuation of that story without giving us just what we've seen before. And yeah. I, I and and I quite liked it. I th I think probably for me the weakest bit of it was the scenes where it looked like. Almost, you could almost see that they were like, "All right, we got to give Patrick Dempsey something to do in this film," because, <laughs> yeah, is because this film is really all about the women, 
and uh, we have this man who we need a reason for him to get off screen, so we need to give him something to do. And then they, and those scenes are middlingly entertaining, but quite frankly, the film you could have had them, you, you could have had the film without those films, and it wouldn't make any difference. Quite frankly, it would make no difference to the film whatsoever. But but um, but yeah, I would recommend it. I would say Disenchanted is good. It does not embarrass the first film, which for me is the best thing. Oh, that you reassure me. Thank you. <laughs> okay, and now we go on to Wednesday on Netflix. And Wednesday, this is something that I know the second it dropped, Holly, you sent a message to everybody going, watch it Wednesday, watch it Wednesday. And, <laughs> and, and Wednesday has become this phenomenon. It's been memed to the, the, like, to the girls. People are talking about all these things, about how it's the one of the most watched things that Netflix has ever done, even more than Stranger Things, which sounds well quite frankly it's shocking if that is true i find that shocking but um but holly tell us about wednesday so we had 30 i'm just double checking the date so 31 years ago we had the film of the adams family yeah. uh, with angelica houston raul julia and christina ricci playing wednesday yes. two years later uh, we had adams family values same and we now pause in time whilst also moving in time and stay, still staying modern uh wednesday is older now she is at secondary school and uh the same school as her brother pugsley and they are you know not not really enjoying it not doing that the whole sort of integration thing very well it's um when you know Students are mean to Pugsley. She uh, drops piranhas in the school swimming pool. And <laughs> when the unpleasant people are in there, pointing out to them that the only person allowed to torture her brother is her. Now, <laughs> um, uh, this does not land well with the family, who her mother is played by, uh, Morticia is played by Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yes. And her father, Gomez, is played by, and my mind is now going completely blank. Luis Guzman. Thank you. Who are much more like the original Gomez and Morticia of the 1960s series and the original cartoon, rather than uh, no, Raul Julia, who was, was a much more suave individual yeah G gomez was a bit more grotesque to begin with and yeah. and they, they lean into the grotesque <laughs> in this uh so wednesday is kicked out of her school and you know unsurprisingly and finds herself shipped off to the boarding school that both her parents went to where they'd met where her mother was this highly successful you know beautiful woman who headed the fencing squad and or team and had a simply marvellous time. Think Regina George and Mean Girls? Exactly. And Wednesday is, of course, thoroughly unimpressed by this, is planning on doing everything she can not to fit in. And, you know, land, you know, is, is unimpressed in the way only teenagers can be. Uh, the headmistress is played rather wonderfully by, and my mind is once again, uh, Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn Christie who of course you know we have seen increasing amounts of who yeah. is rather wonderful good thing too and uh there are a number of other sort of key individuals involved and making a, a 
a cameo, it's not really a cameo, a, a, a part in it is Christina Ricci once yes. more. Yeah. Coming back, looking thoroughly different to the way she did when she was, you know, 10, unsurprisingly, who would have thought <laughs> that 30-something years changes, changes a person. Um, I find it interesting as she and I are the same age, so I look at it and think, yeah, no, that does. <laughs> Um, so I, I had very, I had very similar thoughts when looking up Christy. I was like, oh, what? Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so this school is one for uh, the gifted, and the people there are generally uh, witches, um, sirens, werewolves, vampires, mm -hmm. and no doubt other things. Yep. And she finds herself with the cheeriest roommate imaginable, a werewolf who loves pastels and rainbows. And Wednesday, obviously, called Enid. Called Enid. And um, Wednesday, obviously, loves black morbidity and not smiling. She also has a mandated uh, therapist because, you know, apparently setting piranhas on a load of teenage boys <laughs> is socially frowned upon. And within this environment of her unhappiness and being forced to participate, which has never landed well with her character in the um, in the films, uh, a mystery happens. There are there it, start to be murders. Yes, it becomes a murder mystery story. Uh, Wednesday is hell bent on finding out who done it and what's going on. And it stretches out beautifully into, is it eight or ten episodes? Eight episodes. It's eight episodes. Um, which are, to my mind, well-paced. Yep. Very entertaining. Um, and, you know, and keep you on the edge of your seat. What would you like to add to this, Tosin? Okay, cool. So I, uh, so my, um... My major exposure to the Adams Family is the 90s movies. So Adams Family, the Adams Family and Adams Family Values. Those are the Benny, Barry Sonneville films with Christian Ricci as Wednesday. That's my major exposure to them. The, um, I know there's been a load, but there's been like TV shows in the past. There's been like two other animated movies. There's been, there's been repeated attempts to bring the Adams Family back. But that, I think, is still the one that in pop culture still has the highest cachet, is the 90s movies are the ones that people think about. And so when I think about these characters, I think about that. When I think about the, the characterization of these characters, I think about that. What they have done here, because this show was created by Alfred Goff and Miles Miller, I believe his name is. Well, that could be I think, I think, no, it's definitely Alfred Goff. I think it's and Miles Miller. And these guys are the same people who created Smallville. And what those guys did is that they took the whole idea of Superman and put him in a teen drama. And... The, what they've done here is they've taken the Adams family and they've sh they've shoved them into a teen drama. They have shoved them into the conventions of a teen drama, and I don't think the Adams family fits in the conventions of a teen drama. I don't think the Adams family fits in conventions. Full stop. And that that's the point of them. <laughs> the point of the Adams family is that we don't fit it. So you have this whole conventions because it's a teen drama. There's things that happen not because they're Adams family ish, but because it's what happens in a teen drama. So you have Wednesday having this teenage angst, well, relationship with her mum, where they're fighting and everything like that. And I'm like, 
that doesn't feel like the Adams family. That just feels like a teen drama. And the fact that you have Morticia crying because her, she cannot connect with her daughter. Well, when I think about the Angelica Houston version of Morticia, which for me is perfect, <laughs> which we, and I think that if the fact that, you know, in the film, it would be like the kind of thing where Wednesday's antipathy towards her mother will probably sort of show up in her trying to kill her mother and her mother will probably be so proud of Wednesday because oh finally she got her first axe that kind of thing but then you have this relationship between Morticia and Wednesday where Morticia is crying going oh one day I hope I can get through to you and I'm just kind of going that's not the Adams family <laughs> that's not the, but and, and because they've shoved this they so they put it into this school Nevermore Academy which is and uh and I say this I say this I try and say this as as kindly as I can. Is a bargain basement Hogwarts? <laughs> That's what it is. It's a bargain basement. Yeah, it's a bargain basement Hogwarts. They 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 put it into this into this school, and so there's some things in there that if you've read Harry Potter or any other school set mystery, will be familiar. And so there's things that have to happen with it. So obviously she's put in with the um the with um Enid played by Emma Byers. She's put in. Oh, by the way, Wednesday's played by Janet Ortega. And yes. she's she's put into this room, and they share this room, and because Enid is all like rainbows and everything, and her side of uh, her side of the room looks like a rainbow threw up on it, and they have this stained glass window where she has she has covered with also rainbows things, and there's this brilliant, brilliant set design that they have where Wednesday takes everything off her side, and they have this room that's split down the middle. And I think that the lighting is genius because one side of the room is a rainbow. The other side of the room is pretty much black and white. And the way they do, I mean, the, the production design on this, brilliant. So, but because she's put with that person, you know that because this sort of thing's happening in a teen drama, there's going to be growing and learning happening. And Wednesday is going to grow and learn and change and become a better person by the end of the show because that's what happens in teen dramas. But that is not the Adams family. <laughs> so as so for me my problem is that it's and I, i've had this conversation I've, I've ended up in a whatsapp group with superfan nina and another friend of ours simon who simon loves all this stuff simon we used to they used to joke that anything stereotypically like a teenage girl would like simon likes so so simon simon is like oh, he's all in for this show and he was talking about the fact that it's good because it's the characters that you saw in the 90s film but putting you don't want to just rehash what happened there you want to have a different scenario for them to go into and i agree with that but my problem is that i don't think it's the same characters that we saw in the 90s films these characters are different they are different and and the and so there's 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 things about it that are, that i just don't think work i mean having said that thing thing shows up and thing is an absolute triumph in this tv show Thane is an absolute triumph. So, I mean, if you can accept the fact that these are different characters, not the same characters, put into a different thing, then the show does what it does all right. I mean, there's some things I have in the final episode, especially there's some really, really god-awful scenes I do not like. <laughs> but but if you if you, if you you can accept the fact that these, these characters are different, I mean, oh, what they do to Pugsley? Pugsley. Pugsley is barely even an Adams in this thing. I mean, P Pugsley is just kicked to the curb. And... And I will, I will say that, okay, this is not me being objective whatsoever. I have a very subjective love for Pugsley. Because when I saw the, okay, bearing in mind, as Holly says, we are both the same age as Christina Ricci. When, so when the first Adams Family film came out, we would have been 10. When the second one came out, we would have been 12. And so I'm looking at this screen and I'm looking at this and who am I going to identify most in this, in this film is the small, is the, is the, is the son. 
the son who was sidelined and was pushed out of the way because of his biggest sister and his biggest sister tortures him and I have a bigger sister as well and so I identified hard with, with Pugsley so at the moment I know I am totally totally projecting <laughs> totally projecting onto Pugsley yeah. I have to- I have 100% projection I know that but what they do with this in- with him in this film they've turned him into nonsense he is rubbish in this TV show and I've always thought I've, I've always had like almost like a standard hashtag hashtag justice for Pugsley because I'm like in Adam's family values he gets he gets booted to the side everything became more Wednesday nobody cared about Pugsley I'm like who's going to look at who's going to care about Pugsley and in this show Pugsley is quite frankly rubbish <laughs> Pugsley is he's, he's barely even a character, so um, so that those are my thoughts, and I will stop talking now and take a breath. So Holly, you can tell me how much you liked it. Well, I really did like it. I get your points, but I actually do see some evolution evolution from the previous ones because in Adam's Family Values, Uncle Fester undoubtedly grows as a person. It's uh, in his experiences throughout. And but yeah. becomes more of an Adams in the end, rather than less of an Adams. But it's I I feel like it does have some good continuation to it. Mm. Uh, I think there are elements of you know Morticia similarities between the two. I think um, it's the dress, and that's about it. But uh, sorry, carry on. Uh, now, you know, you see, I can, I can see some of the, you know, her, the responses in, and I'm thinking more Adam's family values. I can see progression in there, particularly remembering, you know, how they reacted with sending the children to camp. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's so, so I, I feel that there is a, that there, there was already an element of, you know, the in the second film forcing forcing them into a um into an enforced sort of teen environment so it has an an element of that progression i thoroughly enjoyed it and i'm really looking forward to season two Mm. Um, seeing what happens next because it is it's ridiculous it's delightfully ridiculous i don't disagree with the majority of what you said but it brought me a great deal of joy Yeah, yeah, well, good. I know. Well, actually, I don't. I don't know. I'm not sure if I am in a major in in a minority about this. There seems to this seems to be a bit of a marmite show, and it seems to be every now and then you have a lightning rod where people seem to just go to like if you want to fight, go to this thing and either choose your side for it or against it. And online, there seems to be that there's people who are like for it and against it. Ah, worst date ever. Ah, best date ever. Let's fight. And 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 I think the. So you mentioned the section in Adam's Family Values where Wednesday and Pugsley go to a summer camp. And, and that is... I mean, I mean I, I, watch it again tonight. I mean, honestly, even just that idea, the idea of them in a... And I think that's when the Adam's Family are the best, where you put them in a situation where even the situation makes you go, oh my God. So taking Wednesday and putting her in a, in a school full of all these supernatural beings where... It, it 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 doesn't have that same thing and i feel like the topics of the uh, the treatment of this whole idea of going to a place with authority figures and what you're going to do was done deliciously in adam's family values when they put them in a summer camp and i think and i prefer that to this this i feel became too 
teen drama, like teen drama tropes. See, there's 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 a love triangle. I mean, everything that you want. This is Twilight, and it's <laughs> it's and it's like every. It is. It's not quite. It's better. It's better than Twilight. I'll give it that. It's a, and it, it's. But all the, essentially, this became. This almost conformed, and I feel like the Adams Family movies just didn't. Like even when you talk about Uncle Fester growing, the way in which he grows, crazy. I remember John Cusack in Adams Family Values. I just think that that whole thing was just genius. Oh, Brilliant. I mean, I, and and I'm I will, I'm going to try and stop comparing. So I'm thinking, if you are okay with the fact that they have changed the characters, which you had to do to make them conform to a teen drama format, then you're probably going to have a lot of fun with this. If you are less okay with it, like I'm less okay with it, I don't think you're going to have as good a time. Having said that, at the end of the day, I would give it a three. Yeah, I I loved the. 90s films i love this i'm giving it a four okay all right and and i'll stop there because i I, I could show you my i could show you my whatsapp threads my whatsapp discussion threads about wednesday there's a lot more i could say there's a lot more i could i could bang on about but i will not i will show some self-restraint and not we can discuss it separately after this. We can discuss it. Let me put it this way: in in that in the in the WhatsApp thread, there's a bit where I end up quoting Disenchanted of "We'll find something. We'll find come up with a brilliant plan right at the last moment that'll solve all of our problems." <laughs> I, that is going to become one of my quotes that I'm going to start using because that trope shows up everywhere. But anyway, um, so okay, an average of three point five for Wednesday, and now. As be, has become a little bit of a tradition, I say that because we did it last week, we're going to end with a Christmas film. A Christmas movie, last week it was the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, and this week we are going to be talking, or shall I say, I say we, Sharon, you are going to be talking about the experience you had, the, <laughs> the, the, the evening you endured watching Christmas at Mistletoe Farm. Yeah. <laughs> you waited all this time for this moment Sharon this is your moment go for it this is my moment I should be doing <laughs> um, yes um, there are some days when you can spend almost as long looking for something to watch on the various platforms as actually a program last I have found yes. and I think on this particular evening I just went oh, just watch something so I watched Christmas at Mr. Toe Farm and there's a there is a plot in there. Uh, the plot is basically <laughs> a a single a widowed father of. Sorry. Oh, I can hear myself. Yeah. <laughs> and I agree with myself. There is a plot in there somewhere. Um, it's the plot in it. Is just, it starts off there's a widowed father of uh, is. I've just tried to blot it out of my memory in some regards. So I think he's got four children, but it could be five. I can't quite remember. It's been two weeks since I've seen it. And so, yeah, he's a widowed father of these children. And he, out of the blue, he's struggling in his job. He's struggling between care, coping with his children now that he's on his own, having to sort of get them ready for school, having to sort of cope with their emotional needs, having sort of lost their mother. And he's got a tw- quite high-pressure job where they have no regard for family commitments it's like you know this is the job you have to do and do it and you have to shut your life out of your working experience blah 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 blah. and so out of the blue he gets an email to say that he's inherited this farm mistletoe farm um 
in the middle of nowhere. I believe it's in the middle of nowhere, Yorkshire, but I could be wrong. Anyway, oh, so this is English. English, yeah. Oh. Oh. It's an English work. Christmas film. Yeah, so okay. he packs his children up and he goes to this um, English village, as in all of these films, all villages are inhabited by a mixture of odd bods and eccentrics. And so he meets all the odd bods and eccentrics who live there. They have a country and western obsession and knitting obsession and quirky animals and a quirky bet and all sorts of things going on. And basically, there is a conflict in there. Oh, about his like he he decides that he can't really cope with the farm and he might have to sell it. And then you get these weird uh, state agents who turn up and who get like savaged by goats and things and terrorized on a farm as only people from from urban environments can be terrorized on a farm you know there's a sheep or that sort of thing so especially they, in christmas movies it's I, a christmas I movie i'm terrified yeah. by farms and i assume that something awful happened <laughs> we see that I we saw those <laughs> programs as a child all the awful things that you could could happen to you, you know the public safety films you probably weren't as traumatized as i was because in the 70s they were really seriously <laughs> disturbing films but anyway so then there's this this odd chap who lives on the farm who's like a this quirky eccentric half so and so yeah so he's like the comic like relief heart of the film um anyway it's just so teasing. this is this is is, so far sounding like the film version of clarkson's farm yes it's i think they probably were trying to exploit that it's it's almost like the people who made nativity um hadn't hadn't seen the first sort of two or three films they'd gone straight to one another like the fourth sequel and thought i'll make a film based on that sort of in you know originality so it felt like it was a bit derivative i just i can't really say a lot about it because it was just not that very good mm. i mean the humor was a little bit forced the situations were contrived um the heart of it the sentiment was laid on with a trowel it was <laughs> it was not it was okay but i can't i couldn't say it was you know it's going to be up there with alf and nativity as a modern christmas classic mm. um, i mean the first nativity film which i think is you know still stands up even though it's sort of aging a bit now but the others were like triton pants but this one i think is triton pants really <laughs> so i can't <laughs> say a lot about it other than if you are desperate to watch something um it would accompany your snooze quite happily on a Sunday afternoon. Um, but I wouldn't go out of your way to watch it. So I would be kind and give it a two. Okay. So what platform was this on? This was on Netflix. Just so we know exactly how to avoid it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, okay. So that is a two for Christmas and Mistletoe Farm. So do you, you so... Is this the kind of film that you know? You know the before the streaming people came out came along. You had there was a channel somewhere in Sky just called Christmas movies. Oh, or, oh yeah, you'd find it on there. This is Hallmark movie esque, but yeah. it's worse. A yeah. British one. Uh, there, they are the odd quirky British Christmas film. They do pop up every now and then, and it sort of comes in that. I mean. It's nowhere near as polished as the the American Hallmark film, but not quite so saccharine. I mean, there is like they have like shoehorned a sort of romance in it, but that's not the centre of the story. Um, it's about you know this man sort of finding himself in this rural idyll, really, rather than having to struggle on in the urban rat race. Let's go to the country and everything will be okay. 
Oh, yeah, that's, these... that's not a trope at all. Never seen that. Never seen it before. <laughs> yeah. And all these quirky village folk who, you know, would be, you know, permitted in any other circumstance. They're like the, they're the heart and soul of, you know, jolly old England yeah. that never existed. <laughs> so it's a, it's a complete fantasy in that, you know, it's someone's idea of a world that probably never never, never did exist and never would exist. It's like a pure fantasy. Yeah. Um, and everyone was like, it's a bit panto. I think everything was a bit, I suppose it is the equivalent of like a panto. It's but a film version. <laughs> All right. Cool. Which, which 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 does bring us nicely back to nativity. So, yes. so, so, it's the classic idea, though, that if you move to the country, ultimately everything will be better and your problems flow yes. away as though life suddenly in a village is miraculously not full yeah. of pain but different problems as anywhere else. Yes, yeah, so people who it, write these films problem. probably have never lived in a, urban, a rural environment. It's like... Yeah, you've never had like the last bus go at two thirty in the afternoon, have you? <laughs> <laughs> and you've never had your post office, your shop, your shop, and your pub closed, so you are completely isolated. <laughs> and on the Isle of Wight, nothing is that far, but there are villages where they're not served by any buses anymore, and yeah. the shop is closed, the post office is closed. Oh, they may have a pub that's become a gastro pub, so none of the locals can just roll stroll down there and have a pint anymore because you have to book through weeks in advance. Yeah. You've got a book through in advance to sort of have a gastro meal. So there are villages like that on the Isle of Wight. <laughs> yeah. Where people yeah. think, yeah, it's a rural idyll. So it's, oh dear, please don't make me talk about it anymore. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. We'll stop, we'll stop. It was we'll a stop. two. <laughs> Again, it's a two. A two for Christmas and Mistletoe Farm. Yeah. Two for Christmas and Mistletoe Farm. Okay, cool. We'll stop, we'll stop, we'll stop. All right, and I think that that brings us to the end. To the end. I'm not sure whether... I'm not sure if this is the end of us recording for 2022 because, quite frankly, I got I got absolutely blindsided by the fact that Christmas is next week. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I got, it's I got, a weekend. It tends to be a bit like, oh. I'm like, yeah. what? What? You mean it's here already? What? Seriously? December just started. <laughs> I, I still haven't sent Christmas cards. No, they're, not okay. going, no. they're not going to arrive until March. Apologies to everybody I know listening. I I, I will send them. I just don't know when they'll arrive. It's I'm like, going okay. to have a day of hand delivering them because I'm not going to trust the post. So on the, at least I'm on an island. I can sort of do a couple of laps. So I'm going to write my Christmas cards and then hand deliver them because I can't be bothered to post them and then, yeah, see them in the new year arrive. So I'm uh, going to, I have got an afternoon of hand delivering all of my Christmas cards. I'm just going to... I'm just gonna say. I'm just gonna say. Um, uh, Sharon, Holly, this is your Christmas card. Merry Christmas. <laughs> oh, and Merry Christmas to both of you. Yeah, this yeah. is your Christmas. Okay, so we will figure out. We'll figure out offline. We'll figure out offline if we're gonna be recording next week. If there's gonna be anything to watch besides Avatar, which we're not gonna watch. <laughs> I, I think this, I, this is one of those bits where I really, really wish Sean was here because I think Sean might be a little bit. Uh, Sean might have been a little bit more um, supportive of Avatar and the 3D stuff than we are and I think and I'm always all for having like a balanced thing and I know that the me attempting to rip Avatar a new one it <laughs> is is not balanced but then again I don't think James Cameron can hear me through all his money so um, <laughs> so but anyway until next week when we might either record something or just say Merry Christmas it's a goodbye from me Goodbye from me. And a goodbye from me. Thank you very much for joining us throughout 2022. Goodbye. <laughs>